You're never going to really appreciate the good news until you understand the bad news. Okay? You never really appreciate the good news until you understand the bad news. So Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, it says, And you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. That's pretty dark, pretty bleak. Without Christ, we're not just basically good people that need to be brushed up. We are spiritually dead people that need to be brought back to life. It says in that first part, you are dead. So you need to be brought back to life spiritually. It also says without Christ, we don't follow our own hearts and our own desires. It says we actually follow Satan. I don't, don't look at me, look at the Bible, okay? It says we follow Satan. It says, without Christ, we are deserving God's wrath, God's fury, God's judgment. Okay, without Christ, we're de we deserve God's wrath. And so it's not like, God's not like Santa Claus. He's not making a list, checking it twice. Okay? It's not like if you're good, outweighs the bad. Every one of us has, is desperately in darkness without Jesus. And the whole world is twisted and broken in a dark place. One of my favorite passages uh, about Christmas was written hundreds of years before Christmas ever happened. It's in Isaiah 9-2. It says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. It sounds like something from an epic movie. It could be an intro to Star Wars, the new Star Wars movie or something. It's just so epic. I picture, I picture Laxon Auditorium, pitch black, a huge room, and all of a sudden, someone just lights one candle. All of a sudden, the scene has completely changed. There is now light in that dark room. There's light in that dark place. And what's happened, then you picture that light being passed to another person, being passed to another person, being passed to another person. And over time, light is flooding. I was going to do it in here, but the lights won't turn off. So, um, <laughs> Jesus brought hope. When Jesus came 2,000 years ago, he said to the world, I'm not giving up on you. When Jesus came, he brought that hope, that light. A light has dawned. I love this hymn. Um, it's, it's O Holy Night. It says, O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I love that phrase, the thrill of hope is when Jesus came, there is now hope. He has not given up on the world. Everything in the Old Testament was building up to this moment, when Jesus became a man, when, when God became a man. It, and God, it says in the Bible that God waited for the perfect time to send his rescue mission, which is Jesus. Uh, Galatians 4, 4-7, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if, and if a son, then an heir through God. I love this passage. And I could spend the whole message on this, but I got a lot more, as you can see. It is at the perfect time God sent Jesus 
And then he adopted us into the family. We were, Christmas is a time to celebrate being a part of God's family. It's a part, we should be so grateful. Every Christmas light, every Christmas tree, we should be reminded that now we are adopted into God's family. But it's important to remember that Jesus didn't stay a baby, okay? He grew up, he, he became, yeah, people just, it's cute, you know, baby Jesus, and you, people pray, you know, to baby Jesus. Um, but, never mind, I was gonna quote something else. Um, I told you I was gonna be funny, okay, oh. Um, but Jesus grew up. Jesus, Jesus grew up, and he lived the perfect life. He died on the cross in your place for your sin. And then he rose from the dead, and now he's seated at the right hand of God. He is ruling. Right now, he is currently sitting on the throne of heaven, ruling the universe. So he's not just cute little baby Jesus in the manger. He is king of kings and lord of lords. Baby Jesus is all grown up, and he could come back tomorrow. And when he comes back, he's not going to be meek and mild. He's going he's gonna to come back to make everything wrong right. He's going to come back, and he's going to rescue and redeem all of mankind. Jesus is all grown up. And when you think about Christmas, I, I want to challenge you, don't forget about the cross. Don't look at Christmas and forget about the cross. Because the whole, Christmas would be meaningless without the cross. Jesus died on the cross in your place for your sin. So that you can have hope. You can have an eternal hope. And if you don't, if you've never accepted that hope, you can accept that tonight. I'd love to talk to you more about that. So let me ask you a question. Do you have unstoppable hope that's found in Christ? Do you have that unstoppable hope? And have you surrendered your life fully to Christ? Have you given your whole life to Christ? So that's the first thing. The next thing is because Jesus came, God is always with us. God is always with us. And I love this idea of when, in the Bible, when it's one of the names of Jesus, in the Christmas story, one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel, which we were just singing, which means God with us. God with us. It's a proclamation that God has come, and he became a man, and he is with us. But the good news is, Jesus, now that he's sitting in heaven, he sent his spirit to come live in our hearts. So God was with us on earth, Jesus as a man as the God-man, okay? <laughs> Better get real theological for you. Uh, and then when he went up into heaven, he sent himself, he sent his spirit to us. So if you are a follower of Christ, you have God with you. You have God in you. Let me check out this verse that's been really on my heart lately. It's 1 Corinthians 3.16. It says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? God's spirit lives in you. Old Testament times, there was a temple where people came to worship God, and God's spirit, it was God's presence on earth. And so that's where people went to pray, that's where they went to sacrifice, that's where they get, went to get their sins forgiven. That's where you went, was you went to the temple. But when Jesus died on the cross, he cried out, it is finished. And as soon as those words came out of his mouth, there was this, this, this um, curtain, it was about this thick, between the Holy of Holies, where God's presence was, and the rest of the temple, and the rest of the world. And that curtain, as soon as Jesus said, it is finished, it ripped from top, top to bottom. And it says in Matthew 27, 51, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, and the rocks split. So it was a dramatic moment. When Jesus died on the cross, he, that curtain ripped. And in that moment... God had started a new covenant. 
And it was a new plan, a new way. And with those that accept Christ, you now are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You, we don't have to go to a temple to worship God. You are the temple, okay? You are, you have the Holy Spirit living inside you. And that concept, God with you, God in you, the Holy Spirit living in you, that should change everything about your life. That should give you a courage and a confidence to walk with God, that you know God is in you, helping you live that life. Knowing that God, the is, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, you have the Holy Spirit in you, should motivate you to know God better and better. It should drive you to pray and read the Bible, and memorize scripture and get to know him. It should motivate you to live a holy life. Because you wouldn't do something in God's temple that some people are doing late at night on the internet. You would be holy because you would be in the very presence of God. And you have the Holy Spirit in you, so you should honor God with your body. Roman, and then you should be um, confident and you have this unstoppable, you, you are unstoppable. So this is kind of the cap of our unstoppable series. Romans 8.31, it says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So when you have the Holy Spirit in you, you can be the most confident person on the planet. When you realize that God is with you, you can do anything. Psalm 18, 29 says, In your strength I can crush an army. With my God I can scale any wall. If God is with you, who can be against you? Answer, no one. Okay? So people that really believe God is with them live different lives. So let me challenge you over winter break. What's one goal you can make to grow deeper in your relationship with God? Maybe it's memorizing a verse a day. I've done that before. Maybe it's praying for an hour a day. I've, I've tried to do that. I want to encourage you, don't go weak sauce on your winter break goals, okay? I want to encourage you, let's, let's grow in our walk with Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. Pursue Christ. Get to know Him. Get to know Jesus. Get to know Him better. And make a challenging goal. And don't let the winter break just be a way to take a step back in your walk with God. Let's, let's pursue Jesus. God is with us. So let's get to know him and, and go as hard after Jesus as we possibly can. All right? Is that deal? So think about it. Make a goal and tell one person what your goal is. That's my assignment for you. Make a goal and tell one person what your goal is. The next thing is, because Jesus came, we can serve others sacrificially. Because Jesus came, we can serve others sacrificially. Jesus was the ultimate example of this. Another long passage for you. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to glory of God the Father. Philippians 2, 3-11. That was, a mouth, that was a lot. But what I want you to focus on is this phrase, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Your attitude. If it's underlined in there, is it underlined? Okay. I want you to think about that. Jesus had the ultimate setup. 
Okay, he had the biggest flat screen. He was chilling up there in heaven. He had the ultimate privilege. And he, it said he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he humbled himself and became a man and even died on the cross for us. And then God raised him up. So we, serving, pe serving people, so it says we should serve, we should look to the interests of others, not just our own. So we should have the same attitude. We should have the attitude that because Jesus did this, he set the example by coming to earth to serve us. We should look for opportunities to serve others. That's, that's what a Christian is. That's what a Christian does. Is they look, just like Jesus, they look for opportunities to serve others. That's what makes Christianity different than everyone else. Okay? I, I saw a commercial where this guy was calling a bunch of people up and asking for help to move. And everyone had a cute excuse for why they couldn't help move the person. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of the way the world is. It's kind of like people don't want to help each other. But I just moved, and I had like 30 or 40 of you guys helping. And that is not the way Christians are different, because we serve Jesus. We want to be like Jesus, and he gives up his privilege to help others. And so because Jesus gave up his ultimate privilege of being in heaven to serve us, to save us, Man, that's all we should do as Christians. We should just be about helping others. We should be outwardly focused, not thinking not only for our own interests, but also the interests of others. And that's how the world will look at us and think, I want that. John 13, 35, it says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So you're going home over break, and if you want your parents to come to Christ, man, start by doing the dishes. Okay, that if, if you want your brothers and sisters to come to Christ, serve them, help them in some way. That would be a great start to share the gospel with them. So here's a question. Who is someone that you may have an opportunity to serve this winter break? Who's someone that you might be able to serve over winter break? And then how can you build the habit of looking out for the goals and interests of others? Okay, the last thing I see, there's a lot of implications of Jesus dying on the cross and coming to earth. But because Jesus came, we are sent to share his hope with the whole world. We are sent to share his hope with the whole world. The verse that kept coming up to my mind when I was thinking about this, past, this um, message was this verse. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Jesus went on the first mission trip. <laughs> from heaven to earth. It was the first cross-cultural mission trip. And he gave up everything for us. And at the end of his life, Jesus, when Je after Jesus rose from the dead, he turned to his disciples and he said, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And so there's this urgency, just as if Jesus, Jesus is depending his whole work on the cross on his followers spreading that message. Jesus is betting his, what he just did, the ultimate sacrifice, on us. He has no plan B. We are, plan, we are Jesus' plan A to get this gospel, this good news, to the ends of the earth. So maybe this is the missing ingredient in your Christian life. If you feel like Christian life is kind of boring, then you've missed this. Because there's no reason a Christian should ever be bored. Because we have a world to reach. We have news to spread. We have good news, right? Okay, anyone? Yeah, we do. Um, we, if you are a follower of Christ, you have 
one job, okay? And that's to make disciples of all nations. And uh, there's five billion people in the world without Christ. There's three billion that live in countries and people groups that most average person will live and die and never hear the gospel from someone else. There's about three billion people on earth. That's 6,992 unreached people groups in the world. That means 2% of the population, or less, is Christian. That means 98% of the people in that people group will never hear about Jesus. And that's, that's 3 billion people. And so as the Father has said, Jesus gave that as his last command. His last command should be our top priority, okay? And so we have a job to do, right? So John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So God made the ultimate sacrifice, sending his one and only Son to earth. And if you want to honor him on Christmas, if you want to thank him for doing that, then man, go find the people that he died for. Go share the good news uh, with the people that need to hear it. That's the way to honor God, is God cared so much that he sent his only Son. And trust me, I have a son, Owen. I wouldn't trade him for any of y'all. Okay? You know, I love my son, but God sent His one and only Son. That's the wording. That's the picture that God is giving here in this verse. God sacrificed His Son for those without Him. And so the least we can do is spread that message. And then let's look at verse 17 again. It says, "Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is already is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God." So it's a simple question. If you're a Christian in here, do you believe this is true? Do you believe that? It's John 3, 16, 17 and 18. If you believe that is true, that should change the what you do with your life, what you're about in your life. Because that should be enough motivation to motivate you to use the rest of your life to try to share the gospel with as many people as possible. Because Jesus is the only way to God. Jesus, there's only one way, and that's Jesus Christ. And we have the greatest cause on earth, which is to spread that message to the world. So you may be thinking, okay, so what do I do? What's my role in spreading that? Here's a way, I, as a college student, you guys ask me, how do I know God's will for my life? Here's a good question to get you thinking, what about God's will? What is the most strategic thing that I can do to reach the world and help share Jesus with as many people as possible? That is a great question. What's the most strategic thing I can do? Thinking your gifts, your abilities. Think about that. And just plan on doing that. Okay? <laughs> just answer that question and plan on doing that. And God is more than faithful to redirect you and guide you. He will guide you to make the most of your life. Here's another good question. If, if you could do anything to advance God's mission and you knew that God would bless it, what would you try? That's a little bit more big picture dream. But think about that. God loves people that dream about advancing his mission. And so, what is your dream, God, your God-sized dream? So those are some big picture things to think about your life. I want you to wrestle with this. I want this to bother you a little bit. What are you going to do? Are you going to leverage the rest of your life
to see as many people come to know Jesus as possible? Or are you going to just waste it on yourself? That's, that's my challenge to you. Are you going to leverage the rest of your life, or are you going to just spend it on yourself and what you want? So it's easy to get fired up about reaching the world, the big picture stuff, and then sometimes you forget about your friends, your family, your neighbors. So that's my last question for you is, who of my friends and family can I share God, what God is doing in my life and share the gospel with this grade? So I want you to actually, as we, we talked about this, the urgency to share Jesus, who's one person that maybe you could share with this winter grade? Write their name down. Let's take a moment. Just write one person's name down. I want you to think about that. Think about any other people's names that you could, maybe you could pray about. God give you an opportunity to share with over winter break. Because what better way to, to honor Jesus and what he did by coming and rescuing us than to spread that good news to someone else. So because Jesus came, we have an unstoppable hope. Because Jesus came, he's always with us. God is always with us in the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus came, we can serve others sacrificially. And because Jesus came, we were sent to share his love and hope with the whole world. Let me pray.